Welcome to Martha Runs the World, a podcast with a new take on running, fitness, and all things health-oriented. I'm Martha Hughes, your host, and each week I present a new topic that is of interest to all runners. Welcome to episode 168 of Martha Runs the World. Dickie Longo is my guest this week. He is a lifelong runner. He is the co-author of the book, How Running Saves Lives, the story of Dickie Longo, a man for our times, and it's written with the help of Sue Oaks. I first saw Dickie post his runs in a few running groups we were both in. He posted runs all the time, and I realized that he was around 80 years old at the time. He was in superb shape. He ran a lot, and he looked great, very healthy. And his posts were so motivating and so positive, there was always something that I looked forward to reading in them. When I saw recently that he had a book out, I knew I wanted to have him on the show. I recommend his book. It's not a long book. It's very easy to read. And I'll talk more about his book after this interview. But I want you to meet Dickie, and I want you to hear his story. So without further ado, here is Dickie Longo. Will you welcome to the program? He's a lifelong runner, Dickie Longo. Hi, Dickie. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show. I've been really looking forward to this. When we first became friends on Facebook, I just saw so many posts about you out running. I, I love that. Do you run every day or do you take rest days? No, I run every day. Uh, the reason being, I used to take rest days years ago. Then The next day after a rest day, my body just didn't respond as well as if I just run every day. I think the body looks forward to it every day once you get into that, 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 that regime. So that's why I run every day. I had a running streak of 11 years, 10 months. Then I got intestinal virus one day and couldn't run, just broke my heart. So now I'm back on my next running streak. Awesome. So how long this time around? Oh, I just started in uh, in November. I, okay. I had that uh, thought in early November. So mm. streak is just, you know, a couple months long. Okay. You you streak runners are, are just amazing to me. I, I myself have to take rest day. I, I'm taking my first rest day today after a month. Uh, um and it's just, you, you folks are just terrific. <laughs> <laughs> now, you live in Louisiana, right? Yes, New Orleans, Louisiana. Yes. Okay. Well, that weather down there is sometimes really hard to get out and run, isn't it? Sometimes we have, like, uh, especially in the summertime, 95 degree temperature, 90% humidity. And those are the days that when I lace up my shoes and say, gee, do I really want to do this? <laughs> I go out and I take that first step, and then from then on, it's it's okay. I can't do anything about the weather, so I just bear with it. Whatever it happens to be, I just go run. Oh, that humidity. It's like swimming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, it is. It's just like, oh, my gosh. I don't mind heat, but, oh, that humidity. It, I mean, you might as well just throw a bucket of water on yourself. I'd rather run in the heat. I ran a race uh, Saturday. In Dallas, and it was uh, 29 degrees. Oh. And that just about killed me. I said, just so it could only be like reverse that 92 degrees. I would love it. <laughs> you know, you never think it gets cold in the south, but it gets really cold down there in the wintertime. Well, this is in Dallas, yes. Uh, 
we, we here in New Orleans, we get days of, I think, uh, low, like maybe 35, 34. Then that day will go up to about 55 or 60. Ooh, that uh, is very, rarely, rarely have a freeze. Yeah, that's chilly, though. I that We don't get that. I live in California and San Francisco. We don't get that cold here that often. So No, no. Yeah, that's super cold. So have you been a runner your whole life? Yes, I started running at about age nine. Yeah, mind me telling a little story how I got started? Sure, please. The day my dad returned from the Second World War, my mother walked out of the house and never returned. And so there, uh, my dad, the only kind of job he could get as a veteran uh, was an all-night job. So he was working all night, sleeping all day, had no mother there. I would go to school, come home, no parental participation whatsoever. So one day I happened to run by a playground. I stopped the playground and the playground director said, uh, you want to play some sports? I said, yes. He said, well, first what you have to do, you have to go out this track. You got to run around this track a number of times. Then go out in the neighborhood and run. Then you can play basketball or baseball, whatever sports you want. He made us run before we did anything else. That's why I got hooked on running. So every day when I get out of school, I'd go to the, look forward to going to that playground track and do my running. And then I would get home late and then do my homework, go to bed and do the next same thing the next day. Never saw my dad very much at all. Mother gone. So. I think running actually saved my life at that time. I could have been out on the streets with no parental supervision whatsoever and gotten in a whole lot of trouble. But I think me going to that playground every day and running just really was a, was a key to longevity, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Sports have saved so many lives, I think, just from keeping them busy and giving them a purpose, giving kids a purpose in life. Oh, yeah, I agree totally. That's, uh, you know, I I said well, I wanted to do three things. I had a bucket list of three things. One was to run a marathon, which I've done. I wanted to read the Bible from cover to cover, which I've done. It was, and the other was to be a nationally ranked tennis player, which I've done. Wow. So I've got to figure out a new bucket list, I think. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to ask you about that tennis in a bit. So you, you, so you ran in school? Yes, I ran in school. Uh, uh, Playground mainly, and then when I got into middle school, I, I, I ran on the way, middle school. Uh, at that time, we called them junior high schools. Now, mm-hmm. if, uh, if the junior high school track team, I ran on that. Then I did some running in high school, not so much as a runner in, in the track team, but more in I played football, basketball, and baseball, I had three other sports in high school. I did a whole lot of running there. Then when I got out of school, went into college, Played on a basketball and baseball team, did a lot of running there. You get out of college and did recreational running. Ran for a number of years, almost every day, and then got into racing. And now I run a race every weekend. Have done, have done that for the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years or so. Uh, so that's how my, kind of my running career, how it started and how it evolved into being a, an everyday runner, every weekend racer at this time. That's great. What do you, what races do you like? To, what distance do you like to race? I used to, I used to enjoy the marathon, but too old for that now. Then I, I gradually dropped down to the half marathons, got a little older, dropped down to the 10Ks, got a little older. Now I'm on the 5Ks primarily. I do run a 10K once in a while. I ran an 8K a couple of weeks ago, but I try to, at my age of 84, I don't want to go out and have to run that six or eight miles a day and a 20 miler on the weekend to get ready for a marathon. So I've, I cut it down a whole lot to running mainly 5k marathon, 5k 
races for the most part. And I've done pretty well in my age group. I think I'm ranked in the top uh, 10% in the, in the country at age 84 in the 5K and in the top 20% in, in the world in the uh, 5K uh, at, for my age time. That's terrific. What's your favorite race to run? I guess the uh, probably the 4th of July race. We have a 4th of July race. It's a four-miler. And have a lot of events after the race. You know, you have the race and they have all kinds of watermelon eating contests and all kinds of stuff after the race, which makes it a real fun race to run because of all the activities after the race, more so than the race itself. <laughs> That's one of my uh, most, one that I probably enjoy the most because of all the different things that they do after the race. They have a hula hoop contest and they do a lot of other things and have a lot of good eats too. And of course, that's important after a race, as you well know. Mm-hmm. But we have to eat after the race. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's terrific. And that's right in New Orleans, right? Right. Well, it's in a little town just north of us, mm. a little town called Covington, Louisiana. Oh, I love those little races. Those are so fun. The whole community comes out, and it, it's probably the big event of the year for them. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, those are really fun. So you said you were a top tennis player. When did that happen? Well, I started playing tennis, uh, oh, I guess. Uh, almost when I got out of college, I guess, I was, I was looking for a lifetime sport. You know, I was so active in college and high school. I was looking for something when I got out of college to do for a lifetime. And I, I saw some, I moved close to a tennis club and I went out to the tennis club one day and saw these people playing tennis. And I said, I believe I can do that. So I went down to Kmart, bought me a, a $10 tennis racket. Went out on the tennis court and started hitting against the, what they call the backboard. And I kind of taught myself how to play. And I started playing tennis and got a little bit better at it. And then kept improving, kept working at it pretty hard and started playing tournaments. And I got to where I played a tournament, did pretty well in my age division. In fact, I got a, I got a national ranking in my age division. And also with, they go by skill level also. You, you, you participate in both age division and also skill level. Like they might have a 3.5 skill level and then the 45 and over age division that you play in. So that's how I got into playing tennis and did pretty well at it. Won a bunch of tournaments and uh, was actually nationally ranked and at my age at that time. You're very gifted at, at sports. <laughs> well, I played <laughs> like three and four sports in high school, and two sports in college. and I couldn't stop there. So, I got out of school, I decided, you know, what am I going to do for the rest of my life as far as sports is concerned? So it was tennis. And now I don't play tennis anymore because I can't find anybody my age to play singles. That's, <laughs> that's what I play. I don't play any doubles. And I can't find anybody 84 that wants to play singles. They all want to play these what we call social doubles, where it's more socializing than it is actually playing. But I'm going to get a workout when I do anything. And that's why I dropped tennis and gone strictly to to running every day and race every weekend. Yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, worth the effort if you're not even going to put everything into it, to me anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so can you remember what your hardest race was? Yes, my last marathon. I was uh, 70 years old, and I was trying to qualify for Boston. As you know, you have to run a qualifying race at a certain time at, a, at whatever age. Mm-hmm. to qualify to run in the Boston Marathon. Yep. And uh, my last uh, marathon at age 70, I had to run the mar- I had to run that marathon in uh, 3 hours and 56 minutes. Mm-hmm. 
or less. I would not run that marathon in four hours and three minutes. I I didn't qualify for Boston. So I said, well, that's my career as far as running marathon is over. So this might drop down to lesser races. But I was so disappointed that I didn't qualify after running what I thought was my best marathon time, but didn't quite qualify for Boston. Now at age 84, I could probably qualify fairly easily, but I don't want to put all that training into running mm-hmm. it again. I'm, that was my last one at age 70. I'm, I'm done marathoning. <laughs> but that's, that's disappointing, but still what a great time though. That's fast. I'll, that's faster than I've ever run a marathon. <laughs> what, what race was that in? That was the, uh, Norm's marathon. It was called the Crescent City Mardi Gras marathon. And, uh, as, it's a strange marathon because we uh, we have a big causeway bridge here. It's a 26-mile causeway bridge. It runs from New Orleans across the causeway to the uh, what we call the North Shore. And it's 26 miles. So they decided to run a marathon there. And so uh, <clears throat> what they did, they loaded us up on a bus and took us across the, the causeway to the North Shore. And then we got off the bus and we ran. Starting line was there. And we ran against a south wind, 26 miles, 20 on our wind against that, all we had was concrete and water around us. No sights at all. We went 26 miles, and that was the hardest marathon thing anybody's ever done because of that. It was just a terrible course. And of course, they did it one year, and the next year they changed the course because so many people complained about it. Yeah, and talk about monotonous too. I mean, there's not like oh. there's a whole lot to see. No, there's nothing. You're just the person in front of you or behind you. Oh Most gosh. of the people in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't think of anything more more dull than just the straight what is it almost like a straight line over water. It was it was terrible and that's why they only did it one year and I think that the problem was that they they couldn't get permits to run right in the, in the city of mm. New Orleans and so the only permit they could get was out on the uh, causeway to run it. Now at, since then they've gotten permits to run it within the city you get all kinds of you know sights to see and there's there's bands playing on every corner and there's a lot of cheering and so on. A lot of fans turn out, uh, but on the causeway, no fans. All there was is fish for watching. In the water. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That, that just, that's almost like a nightmare. really. <laughs> but you got such a great, I mean, you missed the, uh, the qualification time by minutes, but you still, still, you should be proud of yourself because that's such a great time. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, it wasn't so hot at the time, evidently. <laughs> I know, I know. But in my dreams, I don't think I could run a marathon in four hours. I just don't think I could do that. <laughs> well, I think you could. Mm, maybe if I if I put yeah if I put my effort into it, probably. But I don't know if I I don't really run a lot of road races anymore. But they're hard. They're so hard on the body. Those those marathons. Mm. Yes, recovery time is what's hard. I mean, you you take three or four weeks later, and it's still hard to go out and run because of the recovery time because you've broken so much in the body. That's true. It takes two, three, four weeks to go back to where you can run half the reason. It takes a lot longer to to recover from that than it does from a 50K trail race. That is for sure. That is true. So where's your mode? 50 yeah, 50 K's, 50 K's. I, I'm going to do a 50 miler trail race next year. I just had surgery. So I'm recovering from that, but not just in October, but I, I like trail racing better because it's not quite as hard on the body and it's just nice. It's, it's, you get better views. <laughs> really? I've, never, yeah. I've done like a three, uh, five K mm-hmm. trail race. Yeah. 
didn't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, where you where you live, it's it's a different area. I I live in where we have a lot of tra- trails in, in in more mountainous areas and stuff. So you get a mm. really pretty views, and I can run along the ocean and stuff on in the hills, and it's really nice. I mean, it's it's just it's a different kind of scene, and and my city running isn't quite as nice as the trails. So yeah, I'll so take- I know San Francisco. Yeah, you know, it, it's there's a lot of places to to run close by that I can get to the trails, so it's it's kind of nice. But where is your favorite place that you like to run? You mean training? Training, yeah. yeah. When you just go out to run, where where do you like to run? Do you have a favorite know. course? No, not really. I, I live kind of in the city, okay. So I just go out and run on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go out down a nice long sidewalk, about maybe two and a half, three miles out, and turn around and come back. Nice. Sometimes maybe just two miles straight out on the sidewalk, running along. Usually it's a major road, uh, four lane highways where I usually run, yeah. and then come back again. And there's one other tra- uh, course that I can run occasionally is in a, a median ground. They put a nice sidewalk through a median ground that runs about two miles from my house to, to a, what we call the Lake Pontchartrain, which is a huge lake here, mm-hmm. and then uh, back again. So. I got about two two courses that I run every day, but there always traffic on each side, so it's I don't have any chance to go out and run in the country. I'm kind of landlocked in here, yeah. Can't get away to run anyplace else except on the sidewalks up and down or in the street right here in the area where I live. Mm, yeah. So now, um, you, the book you just released a book, how running save lot saves lives. You did this in collaboration with Sue Oaks, right? Right. Okay. Well, why did you put together a book? Well, uh, I, I would I discovered Facebook about what maybe five or six years ago, and there's a number of running clubs on Facebook. You know, sixty and over runners or seventy and over runners or so on. And so I joined a bunch of those, and they always were asking, uh, "Give us the results of your races, or tell us how you're running." You know. Just interact with us about your running career. So uh, I started posting a lot of my results and things that have happened to me, experiences I've had at races or experiences that, that I've had out in the community. And then also I also developed what is called the Longo Scholarship Fund, which is where uh, I take money out of my pocket at that time and buy shoes for needy runners or pay entry fees for people who can't afford it like a family of five with the mom and dad runs and three kids run, you know, the entry fee is $120, $150. How many times can you afford that during the year? And they would usually run maybe one race a year. So I would give them a, a check for a good amount of money so they go ahead and run two or three races during that year. It's being so expensive. So that Longo Scholarship Fund is where I try to help others as much as I can with what resources I have. That's why I was buying running shoes for people, giving running shoes to people who need them or giving running shoes to people who might think about maybe starting a running program, but haven't, don't have the shoes for it. So I'll give them a pair of running shoes and then to go out and maybe start what I call the, the beginners run rock program. I have a program that I devised and I give my one rock program, a pair of running shoes in here. I want you to start your running program because it's going to save your life. That is very cool. So uh, now, is does it talk about your life or in running? The book starts. Uh, it chronicles my 
75 years of running. Uh, all the experiences I've had, uh, you know, many times I'll go to a race and then I'll, after the race, I'll, I'll talk to people and, and we'll find out, what, you know, what their running experience has been and how running has actually either improved their life or changed their life or altered it or actually saved their life. Mm-hmm. And I t- took all those posts and a couple of people one day said, you know, all those posts that you put in there, you've had a terrific running career for 75 years. You, you ought to write a book. So I said, well, okay, I'll give it a try. So uh, Sue Oaks, who, who lives in Australia, actually saw all my posts and she, uh, she contacted me. She said, I've read all your posts and I enjoy all your running career and all the experience you've had. And it's just really, really interesting. She said, I'm a, I'm an amateur author. Beginning author, she's written a couple of children's books. She said, you know, would you mind if I wrote a book about you? I said, mine. I said, I would love it. So I, I sent her all the material that I had, all the posts that I had put up and a goodly number of them. And she uh, put together a book. And that, that's how this all evolved. Is all, all the materials that I supplied to her come from the, the posts that I've had for the last five or six years of all the experiences I have had in my running career. Wow, that is amazing. She's good for her. I, I think this is terrific. And and I do have to say that I have not read it yet, but when this when this episode comes out, I will have and I'll talk about it after our interview here today. I'm excited to read it. It just looks amazing. Um it is available on Amazon. So you I'll have a link on there where where uh you can purchase it. Uh, would you do, would you do this for me? Of after course. You read, after you read it, would you email me your honest opinion, whether it was good, bad, indifferent, whatever honest opinion? That's what I would like. Just email me what your opinion of it. I've had a number of people do this because I want to. If I get a good enough re- uh, reply, I can go to my publisher then and ask for a second printing. Right now, we've only had a, one printing of, a, of about a thousand books. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if I get enough good reviews, uh, you know, and I want honest reviews, if the reviews aren't mm-hmm. that good, I won't ask for a second printing. Mm-hmm. So that, if you will, give me your honest opinion after you read it. Okay. Of course. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and like I said, I'll put the link there so you can purchase it. And I would say for all of you to purchase it. And it, it's going to be a great read. I know it is because there's a lot of history here and. Dickie is just a fascinating person. Um, I want to thank you f- so much for being on the show. You you just inspire me. Every time you put a a, a run out there, it just I, I get to start running again this this month. So I'm so excited about it. Well, good, I, good. I had well, I had my hip replaced in October oh, and I've been goodness. working. I know I've been working very closely with my physical therapist, and she said oh. if all goes well, you can start running this month. So hopefully she'll give me the thumbs up on running and I can start running again and get going. Um, I, I walk a lot. I walked over a hundred miles in January. So oh, I've been, really? I know I've been very active. Oh, that's so. unbelievable. I, 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 I didn't run a hundred miles in January. I ran, <laughs> 90, I ran 98 miles in January, but to walk a hundred miles. I'm friend. determined to start running again. I, I haven't run in, a, in over a year. So I'm really, really oh, anxious. <laughs> I miss it. <laughs> You'll get a real high out of it when you start. I guarantee you. you'll be like, I know. you'll be like, it's like a drug. It's addictive, you know. Oh, it sure is. 
<laughs> it sure is. And okay. if it wasn't for the podcast, I don't know what I do because I get to hear about all you wonderful pe- runners and your stories. <laughs> and I live through you. I do. I really live through my guests because I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what, what I would have done it without it. I'd be in yeah, the corner true. crying probably. <laughs> It's been my pleasure. I appreciate this. Yes. And you have best of luck on all your future races and everything. And um, thank you. Like I said, thank you so much for being on the show. And you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dickie. I really appreciate that you came on the show and talked about your book and your life. It just means a lot to me to have you on. Dickie's book, How Running Saves Lives, isn't just an autobiography about his life. It's more a tribute to what a remarkable person he is and what he's done for not just the running community, but his community. Throughout his life, he's always been physically fit, and running played a big part in that, but he's always, always thought of others. One of the best parts of the book is that at the end of each chapter, there's a personal story about a runner who talks about how running saved their life. It's motivating, intimate, and it brings a nice closure to each chapter. I highly recommend this book for you to read. It's not a long book. It won't take very long for you to finish it. But the richness of his life makes it worthwhile. So I'll have a link on in Amazon where you can purchase it. And it would be a really terrific gift for someone if you want. It's a great book. All right, that is today's show. And thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Go to MarthaRunsTheWorld.com for all links, for all information, for the link for Dickie's book. And to donate to the show, you can become a Patreon patron or you can just donate a couple bucks one time under the buy me a coffee link that would be amazing and awesome I would truly appreciate it and you can email me with your race reports I would also appreciate that my email address is Martha runs the world at gmail.com and until next week let's tie up our shoelaces and go for a run